are using all kinds of symbology. What is at stake? It is a big idea. A new world order where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind. My question to you is, in any of your government jobs, have you ever been briefed on the subject of UFOs? And if you have, when was it? What were you told? Well, if I had been briefed on that, I'm sure it was probably classified and I couldn't talk about it. I got out in 1989, we had cataloged 57 different species. We walked over to one side of the lab and he said, by the way, we've discovered a base. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Greetings and salutations, fellow Skywatchers from east to west and all around the world. We are back live, and this is PSN Radio. This is Skywatchers Radio and the Dark Matter Radio Network. I'm Angel, and as always with me is Alan. Alan, how you doing, sir? I am doing fine. How about you? Doing pretty good. And, you know, uh, tonight, Alan, we have a really cool guest. And I know I say that all the time, but I kind of mean it this week. This is actually a really cool guest. Uh, Jeff Willis, a fellow Skywatcher, is going to be on with us later on tonight. That's cool. Yes, it is. Uh, although, you know, you should always be honest with everybody that's listening. So, you know, you, know, you shouldn't always say it's like, I'm really excited with everybody. Uh, you're really excited about this guy. And, you know, we all know why. Does everybody know who he is? Well, and I don't know if they don't know who he is, but let's uh, give him a little bit of a brief rundown on who uh, Jeff Willis is. Uh, You've so seen him on TV. You definitely have. He's a UFO researcher and, like I said, a fellow Skywatcher, and he resides in Phoenix, Arizona, which is a hotbed for ufology-based uh, stories and stuff over the last couple decades. Uh, Absolutely. He is, yeah, it's crazy how a lot of stuff comes out of Phoenix, Arizona, but uh, it says here, in his area... He is available and uh, he's interested in showing his material and uh, or also for speaking lectures and TV radio programming. Uh, he does a lot of that stuff. He's also licensing uh, UFO video footage and vending DVDs at any UFO related event that uh, is nearby. Or uh, he might actually do some stuff, uh, you know, nation nationwide. But Jeff Willis has been researching UFOs and related phenomena for over 25 years. His initial interest in aliens didn't start with a simple UFO sighting, though. He has been having sightings of UFOs and other odd experiences since 1975. Alan, do you realize that's before I was born? Yeah, uh, that's... Just saying. Uh, I, you know, based on the photos that you see of him, he doesn't look that old. No, not at, not at all. Uh, it says here, in uh, 1987, at the age of 17, so no, we kind of know his age now, he moved to uh, Phoenix from Seattle with his family, and uh, he's been skywatching since. Uh, skywatching became his full-time activity after getting his video camera in 1995. That's kind of what happened to me also. When I got my first camera, I just went outside, and I was like, Clouds! I'm recording clouds. It's so cool. And yeah, then, you, know, you need therapy. Planes. <laughs> Look, just because I stand outside with my camera pointing up, and I'm like, planes, clouds. This doesn't make me weird. No, no, no. Well, if you're screaming that out while you're doing it, yeah, it does make you weird. Maybe a little weird if you're screaming it out. You know, look, my nephews do it all the time, and everybody thinks, you know, they're cute. You know, like, oh, he's so cute. He's yeah, but screaming. they're under the age of five. Well, no, one of them is 17. But and he still does that? 
Well, that's there's all kinds of different problems we want to get into. But anyway, going back to uh, okay. Jeff Will this year. That's, uh, it's this year. that's right. a whole different Yeah, that's a different topic. Uh, it doesn't belong on Skywatchers. But anyway, uh, 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 Jeff has been able to get about 250 hours of solid UFO footage. And, by you know, himself, I, he collected them. Well, we're going to ask him that. I, okay. I, I assume a lot of it is by himself since he is a fellow Skywatcher. Uh, but I've seen a lot of his footage, and there's a lot of really good stuff in there. You know, Some of it can be kind of explained away as you know natural phenomena or aircrafts that we have. But, I mean, for the, for the most part, a lot of his footage is really, really good stuff. Uh, Jeff Willis was one of uh, the co-creators of UFO Road Trip. It became uh, the History Channel's uh, also... Also, he was on the History Channel's UFO Hunters, as we all know, uh, which was with Bill Burns. Right, of course. Yes. His footage has been featured in many programs, including the History Channel's, like I said, Ancient Aliens uh, was one of them, and the UFO Hunters, uh, Disney's Race to Witch Mountain. Uh, Dan Aykroyd's also unplugged on UFOs, and many others have uh, used his footage. So that's really cool. We're going to have him on with us in about 20 minutes, 25 minutes, and we're going to pick his brain about UFOs and some of the stuff he's picked up. Because, Alan, you know, let, let me tell you, it's hard now to like take you know credible any UFO videos that you see on the Internet because, let's face it, technology is really good. You know, CGI is an amazing thing. I, I'll tell you what, man. Any fifteen-year-old kid could sit in his mom's basement and just create amazing footage that'll have you baffled. Uh, but you know, when you're talking about 1995, 1993, 96, you know, 80s, 87, or whatever, there was no CGI in 1987 like the way there is now. There was no, no. PC with Windows Seven that could do all kinds of you know cool stuff or Mac, well, you know, operating systems they could do all the stuff that we could do now. And the ones that were pretty advanced cost a lot of money. So, uh, you know, chances are a lot of the older footage is more, you know, has a chance of being more legit than some of the stuff that we get now, obviously. Right. Uh, but, you know, some of the footage that he has, uh, you know, it's pretty hard to debunk. It really is. I mean, are you familiar with a lot of the footage that he's put out over the years? Well, I've seen all sorts of UFO footage. So uh, pointing out his particular um, inventory of UFO footage, I don't know what's his and what's not his. So I'm not going to even try and figure that out. Well, we'll get to some of his favorites uh, in, in, in a little bit when he gets on here. I'd love to you know, hear if he has any particular UFO footage that he really loves to look at and go back to and sticks out in his mind. That would be kind of mm. neat. Uh, we do have a couple of different articles that we wanted to run through, and uh, you know, Alan and uh, myself here, uh, we're t- looking at a couple of them over. And uh, I wanted to start with a, a UFO report that uh, came out of New Zealand. Uh, and... You know, you know, we, we talk about reports all the time on the show. We talk about you know footage not being authentic and footage not being real and footage right. being doctored easily. Uh, but there's also footage that is just a bird or an airplane. People, it's not CGI. It's not faked. I'm looking at, and this made news. You know, like this was uh, posted uh, by our good friend Jason McClellan from uh, OpenMinds.tv, and uh, you know they wrote an article about this. And you know, I'm looking at the uh, the picture here, and Alan, I mean, I'm not really sold that this is an alien or spacecraft or, you know, a UFO. And I'm not even sold that this is an airplane, to be honest. I'm guys. thinking it's smog from uh, from The Hobbit. It, that could be. <laughs> possibly. It could possibly be. But it says here, look, an Australian television produce, uh, production crew unknowingly filmed a pair of UFOs over the New Zealand uh, town of Queenstown. Uh, it says here, the crew was in New Zealand uh, filming for the seventh season of the uh, series titled Color In Your Life. On April 3rd, 2014, producer President um, Graham Stevenson and director Sophia Stacy were filming an open sequence for the show. And uh, it says here, 
it was during the filming that the two mysterious aerial objects were recorded, but these UFOs were not noticed until the editing footage was being reviewed on Monday, May 12th. Color in your life. Uh, issued a press release explaining the discovery, and, and I'm going to quote here, it says, In the past week, we've been editing the episode um, that was complete. Uh, Graham noticed something strange in a wide shot, two objects traveling from left to right on the screen at great speeds. Uh, when the image were uh, slowed to frame-by-frame sequences, you could see the uh, shape emerge from the uh, trees and moving across the sky, eventually disappearing. Birds are a possible explanation for the UFOs. Duh! You think? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm not debunking it. I'm not, you know, it's too blurry for me to look at. You know, I'm looking at the pictures here, and I'm like, too blurry for me to tell either way, so I'm going to say I don't know yet. You know, here's the thing. Cameras also have a very <coughs> bad... By the way, that was a good one. Uh, cameras have a very bad sense of, uh, you know, depth perception. So if a bird is flying around in a video, and, I'm, and I've seen the video, it's very quick. I mean, it, it's one of those things that, you know, if you if you blink, you missed it. You know what I mean? One of those things. Okay. Well, um, uh, I don't know. Uh, you're right, it doesn't have depth perception, but how many frames per second and how many frames is it actually in is obviously the determining factor, especially how quickly it shoots across the screen. Right, and it's—I mean, it's very quick. But again, if it's a, it could be a bird that is at a certain distance that speed looks faster. I don't know. I mean, I'm not a, I, a I don't scientist in that area, but you know, I don't see anything that resembles wings in any way, shape, or form here. It's yeah. far and blurry. Okay, it's far and blurry, and there are two of them. So um, I don't. Birds know. travel in pairs sometimes. It, you know, it does happen. I'm just saying. Wow. So do UFOs. Well, that's not to be determined, you know, 100% fact yet, I mean. Okay, fine. Uh, okay, then we'll slide over to the next article. There you, is, go. you know, we're not going to argue with this one. Yeah, like it's, it's silly. It's really a silly article. But look, all these articles that uh, I'm going to read out here tonight and me and Alan are going to talk about, it's going to be posted also on our uh, Facebook page. So if you guys want to follow along and read what we're, we're going on here, uh, go to facebook.com forward slash Skywatchers Radio and um, everything is posted right on there. Moving on to the next article, the Pope approves of baptizing Martians. Now, <laughs> I saw this coming, you know, I kind of saw it coming a mile away as soon as uh, the Vatican said, you know, aliens could be real, aliens could exist, why not? I saw them, you know, kind of like sneaking this in there somewhere one day. Uh, it says here, Pope Francis announced uh, that everyone has the right to baptism, even aliens from Mars. Yeah, but only from Mars, apparently, uh, not any other planet. Is that the whole story? I, you know, that kind of, like, surprised me. Why didn't he just say aliens in general? Like, why Mars? Uh, probably because of all the Egyptian artifacts that seem to be showing up on the Saul photos, uh, maybe. Mm, so he's perhaps. trying to convert them from Egyptian uh, multi-god worship to uh, the one and only maybe kind of sort of guy. Well, that's as good an answer as I've heard. But uh, it says here, French, uh, French news agency AFP reports that during the uh, Pope's daily mass on Monday, 12, Monday, May the 12th, so just a couple of days ago, uh, he stated uh, that uh, Christians cannot close the door to all who seek baptism, uh, even if they are green men with a long nose and big ears, like children draw, he continued. Man, he is so behind the times, this Pope. 
Yeah, um, I, I, I'm just gonna ask one question. Are we gonna have to send out like, uh, like, uh, what, what do we call it, monks to Mars, and you know, try and convert them, or do you think uh, who's gonna spread the word on Mars? Who's gonna spread the gospel? Right. Maybe, exactly. that's what, maybe that's what happens with the popes after they die; like their bodies are taken to Mars and mummified by the well, aliens, and they worship you know, them. I'm thinking about it. It's like who's who's going to go to Mars and spread the word, especially when they breathe whatever is on Mars, and we're in the masks and we're wearing the spacesuits. How do we take it off and spread the word? I mean, obviously they're not going to understand English alphabet or or Greek or anything. So I'm just trying to figure out how do we explain that to them so we can convert them. Well, we either have them come on board our ship, which would kill them because the atmosphere is different, and um, you know that way. Uh, we have the upper hand. I don't know. I mean, there really is no way unless we have a, a meeting ground somewhere where we can both breathe the air and take our masks off and have a coherent conversation. But even that won't work because, I mean, we're going to go uh, talk to aliens, really. Like, you really think that it's going to be like in a, a Star Trek movie where everybody speaks English? You know, like. Oh, sure. Yeah. They're going to put a little fish in our ear that's going to translate for us. Oh, oh I'm works, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. That's Hitchhiker's Wrong Guide movie, to the by the way. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah uh, wrong uh, movie. Sorry about that. But anyway, moving on now, continuing the, uh, the Pope uh, article here, it says, if tomorrow, for example, an expedition uh, of Martians arrived, an expedition of Martians arrived, ah, uh, Pope, and some of them came to us here uh, and said, you know, they were Martians, right? Green with long noses and big ears, he said, just like the children painting them. And they say, well, I want to be baptized. What would happen? And he said, well, you know what? I wouldn't say no. I would baptize them, he said. Okay, here's a question. What happens if they're allergic to water? Then you can leave an, an awkward mark on their forehead. Yeah, yeah. Just a little awkward cross Just there. Like but the yeah, the Telegraph uh, and other media outlets assumed that the comments about baptizing Martians was simply a display of the Pope's lively sense of humor while delivering a more serious message about how everybody has the right to be baptized. But Pope Francis isn't the only Catholic who has recently uh, mentioned baptizing extraterrestrials back in 2010 in an interview with the, uh, the Guardian, Vatican astronomer Guy Consolamango. And I'm not kidding, that's his name. Guy Consolomango. Consolomango, yes. Consolomango. Yes, it's on the dish for the Italian restaurant. Consolomango. Consolomango, anyway. He stated that... He stated that he would uh, baptize an extraterrestrial being if requested because any entity, no matter how many tentacles it has, has a soul. That's such a nice thing to say. Oh, okay. That is so, so nice. It doesn't matter how many tentacles and how weird and gooey you are, you you have a soul. Now, the President uh, Dave Vatican is open uh, to science and the possibility of life elsewhere in the universe. Back in 2009, uh, in an interview with the Vatican newspaper, uh, it says here, Le Observatore Romano, Father Jose Gabriel Funes, the director of the Vatican Observatory, stated that as a... Uh, as as a multiplicity of creatures exist on the earth, so there could be other beings also intelligent, created by God. Okay, so when do we start baptizing dolphins, whales, dogs, and cats? We should baptize dolphins. They're pretty damn smart. I hear like they're what smarter than us. Anyway, uh, this yeah, is not. They, yeah, but how do we convince them that it wasn't the son of a dolphin? You know. You know, how do we know that, uh, you know, we didn't kill the dolphin Jesus when we were, when the Japanese were whaling? How do we know? Well, all I know is that the last message that mankind will ever get from a dolphin would be, thanks for all the fish. 
<laughs> Another so reference long. there. So long, and thanks for all the fish. Yep. Now, uh, he did go on to say here that um, they were created by God, just like us, obviously. Uh, this does not contra- uh, contrast uh, with our faith, because we cannot put limits on the creative freedom of God, meaning God could create whatever he wants, which makes perfect sense. The article that con- then uh, that contained this interview, uh, by the way, with Funes, is titled, The Extraterrestrial is My Brother, and you can Google that. Okay, see, now, here's where I find something really interesting. Why is it that Bible thumpers in the middle of America have a problem with the TV show Cosmos, but the Vatican doesn't? I love that show. You know, I, I've, I've actually gotten caught up with Cosmos. I've been watching all the, uh, the latest episodes. Mm-hmm. It is a fantastic show. I mean, they really brought back the show in, in full force. I think, um, what's-his-face would be very proud of the uh, Carl, Carl Sagan. Sagan. Very, yeah. yeah. He'd be very proud of the show if he was still around. I, I believe that it's visually appealing, and you know the guy is so so descriptive, and you know it's it yep. it, it really really make it simplifies everything even for the Bible thumpers. You know, and it's funny that it has a connection with Seth MacFarlane. Yeah, which knocked me out of the park when I first saw his name. I was like. Wait, that's the Family Guy guy, right? Like, yeah. That, what yeah, the hell is he doing on this? And I mean, I was expecting them to like you know start doing like you know fart jokes and stuff, but it's been very good. It's been very professional, and the science has been phenomenal. I love the uh, the graph that he stands on is like the calendar of December, and oh, it yeah, represents yeah, yeah. the entire span of uh, of Earth of the history of the planet, and he's walking right to the end, and it's still like millions and millions of years ago, and it's like right in December 23rd or whatever. It's it's a great show, man. It really is, and uh, I hope it goes on for a very, very long time. I really do. Well, I, how long did the original Cosmos last? A season? Ooh, I, did it only last a season? I thought it lasted a I'm, couple of... I know sure, PBS but... repeated it tons and tons and tons of times, but yeah. I, think it, I think it only lasted a season. Hmm. Could be. Well, callers, well, anybody who's listening, if you have an answer, please call in and tell us, how long did the original Cosmos last? You know, we could always just Google that, my friend. That's uh, something they have now. It's a great tool. You know, I heard about that, but I'd really like to hear from someone who's actually listening. We want them to call in. Oh, because I'm just saying, in about 5.4 seconds, I found the answer, and I could give it away now, but I'd rather have the callers call in and tell us, but I can, so I'm not either going to confirm or deny that it went one season. Okay. I'm going to leave it up to the callers. If you guys want to call in, we'd love to hear it from you. So it was 786-245-8127 is the call-in number. And you can also find us on Skype by looking up PSN radio and you can find us right there and call in. Uh, I'm sure Jeff Willis also would love to have your, your phone call. So if he's, uh, you know, on a roll, don't feel bad about calling and, and, you know, dropping in your two cents on whatever it is we're talking about. Uh, moving on to the next article, because we only have a few minutes, and I wanted to get to a couple of their um, links that I sent you, Alan. Uh, okay. Alien abduction expert Daryl Sims is on a mission. Ooh, dun, dun, dun. Did you read this one yet? And uh, this is, again, from openminds.tv, because, you know, they post They're all the best up- news, man. That's yep. what it is. Al- Alejandro posts the best news, and he's always up to date on it. Great guy. Yeah, Alejandro and Jason McClellan can leave him out. He does a great job over there, too. But uh, Houston, uh, we have a problem. No, it says a Houston, uh, Texas uh, resident on, is on a mission to capture an extraterrestrial. And that would be our friend uh, Daryl Sims. Uh, he dubbed uh, or dubbed the alien hunter 
claims to be the world's leading expert on alien abduction. He also has an investigation or has investigated alleged extraterrestrial events for nearly four decades. Okay. All uh, right. in accor- yeah, according to his website, it's uh, time his research has focused on physical evidence. You'd think after 40 years. You know, it's him and, Bat- him and Bat Squatch are both going to become alien hunters. They should. Uh, it says here, and uh, led his groundbreaking discoveries of alien implants and also alien fluorescence. I haven't heard enough of that on the news. Really? Or, or okay. in any of the shows. Uh, as he recently explained to Houston's uh, NBC affiliates, <sighs> KPRC Local 2, his uh, personal experience with <sighs> extraterrestrials, are what has made alien hunting his <sighs> life's mission. And as Alan over there is having some kind of orgasm, I'm going to continue reading. Uh, Sims claims to have had multiple encounters Sorry, with extraterrestrials. Yeah, you got to learn how to use the, the mute button if you have one there, buddy. Uh, with extraterrestrials, uh, let me start over here again because uh, you just threw me off with your heartburn or orgasm, whatever that was. But, uh, you know, dude, I am just getting over bronchitis. Um, I've I've got heartburn. Thank God we had a repeat last week because oh, you were dying I, last week. Oh yeah, I was dying, and you know, bronchitis. You know, I'm I'm not contagious or anything, but I'm still in recovery mode. I'm putting it on mute when I'm coughing and I'm or when I'm getting a little bit of acid reflux. But folks, if you're hearing it, I truly apologize. Um, it's rare that I get sick. It's like a once every two or three year thing. But when I get sick, I get deathly sick. Oh and, yeah. And, and I'm afraid of Obamacare, so, you know, finding the right doctor to take care of me is always a problem. Always had to take a jab at Obama. Always. Yeah, always got to take a jab. Anyway, moving on, uh, continuing the uh, the article here. It says here, Sims uh, claims to have had multiple encounters with extraterrestrials, uh, with his first being a young of a young age of four. As young age of, wow, he was four when he had his first, first encounters. Uh, I first just think encounter. it was... The- Honestly, I think it wasn't an alien. I think it was a priest. And uh, since we were Whoa. talking about the Pope a little bit earlier, you know. Well, well yeah. It, well, it, it, you know, it's either that or it could be the the Mexican priest. So he is an alien. Uh, you know. Wow. I'm not even going there with you. I'm just <laughs> Go on, I gotta, on. I'm supposed no, to. Be, you know, you brought me on board to be the controversial person here. So, Ladies I'm and gentlemen, he, he is it. sick. He, you know, he did say he was sick. Yes, the medication is really affecting me today. Yes, if you uh, have any hate mail, please send it to <laughs> Alan at uh, skywatchersradio.com. By the way, that email doesn't exist. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> Sims, uh, let's see, let me go back to what I was reading. No, no, now, Sims, Sims is a cool guy. I got to admit. He is. He, he is, is a cool guy. You know, I, I just have to have a little, I got to poke a little bit of fun at this hour. You know, don't forget, we're on the overnight. Hey, so. we're on. I'll continue the oh, hour. somebody called into the show and they have their radio oh, on in the background. Oh, well, we can't. We can't have that. You guys, look. If you're going to call in, uh, rule number one of calling to any radio station or any radio show. Rule number uno is turn down the radio. Have it turned all the way down, not just a little bit, all the way down. Okay, you, is the, then you can call back in. All right, is the caller still there? No, no, I have to let him go. He's like all over the place. Oh, okay. Let's call see. Uh, well, well, let's see if we can get him. Caller, you're on the there. air on Skywatchers Radio. Uh, who's this? This is Dan. Oh, hey, Dan, what's up? What's up, buddy? Hey, Dad, what's Sorry going on? Hope, I'm glad to hear your mother's doing okay. The Cosmos is 13 episodes. Right, it was one season. Yeah, thank you. Okay. You confirmed it. Thank, huh? you for, <laughs> thank you for confirming. It was, it was a half season because the full season's 24 yeah. episodes. That's back in the day when there were real television shows. 
Yeah. Amen. Amen to real ha- television shows. Have you been watching the new Cosmos uh, series, though, with uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson? Or? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, it, it is one of my favorite uh, things to watch on the... I, I record it because of all the other stuff I have to watch, but it, it's it's great. The only complaint that I have about it is a little of the animation. A little it bothers me at times, but other than that, it is it is fabulous. They've done a great job of reintroducing science back into young kids. Yep. Now, here, Dan, let me ask you a question: Is it the animation when they're showing people, or the space animation? People, the oh, storytelling. Okay. But then again, they're caught between a rock and a hard spot. Do you want to have people reenacting it, or is it easier and right. to 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 go down the route of of quality animation? It's I, I don't like historical re, anim, re, uh, you know reenactments, so I guess the animation is probably the best of both worlds. Yeah, it's, it's the easiest and cheapest way. Remember, it's on Fox. <laughs> Which I find very surprising, considering wow. the, the message that they're putting out there, and Fox being the born again radical right anti science station. Yeah, but remember, Fox is also the uh, station that put the X Files on and the Lone Ranger and or what is another Lone Ranger? The Lone Gunman. Lone Gunman. Hey, hey, yeah. hey. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> lone Ranger. I'm just bring back the Lone Gunman. That was a good series for like the last uh, five episodes of the last one was good. You know, funny yeah. as this, Dean Haglin does have a uh, podcast as well, too. I know. Uh, he, he was the long really good, too. He's a long-haired guy. Really, really fun guy to hang out with, yep. I'll tell you. Guy, he, he looks like Garth from Wayne's World a little bit. Yes. Well, <laughs> you you know, guy. not anymore. He cut his hair. He, you know, he, he's, he, he does a lot of cameos and a lot of background uh, stuff on TV. So uh, you might not recognize him, but he's still out there. So, uh, cool. But since there's no more Lone, Lone Gunman TV show, they have done a Lone Gunman uh, continuing comic book. And web- oh, really? Yeah. You could find it out there if you look for it hard enough. Yeah, it's out there. Hmm. I'm, just, I'm, I'm not a big comic book guy, so I didn't know that. Well, I'm not a big comic book guy, but, you know, you, you know, it, it's just a really, really cool storyline uh, that they have. And it's funny as it is, some of, them, uh, some of the current storylines that they had in the book like a couple of years ago seem to have come true in the past couple of years, just, just saying that out there, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, they weren't that far off, as it turns out. I mean, the whole idea that you have this sort of rogue three, three men got three men out there doing all this really esoteric, esoteric fringe research is rather appealing in many respects. Well, as long as they don't come knocking on the door for them, yeah. <laughs> yeah, then it stops being appealing. It's just downright yeah. scary at that point. Yeah, Dan, thank you so much for calling in and giving us the uh, correct answer. Now we know it's one season, thirteen episodes of Cosmos with the uh, legendary, iconic Carl Sagan. Man, I miss yeah. Carl Sagan. He was such a, a, a yeah. fascinating speaker. And, now, uh, the only downside of the current uh, current Cosmos is we have the Pluto Killer. Ah. Oh, yes. okay, yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. 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 You, know who, <laughs> you know who I'd like to see host the next version of Cosmos? Who? I want to I see Stephen Hawking do it. That would be, <laughs> that would be really hilarious. interesting. That would be, that would be, that'd be I, epic. I, I think that would be epic. You have him, you know, you have him sounding like speaking spell, and, you know, <laughs> I, I, I think that would be the most brilliant, brilliant Cosmos, because the man is a genius. He really is. 
And, you know, unfortunately, he doesn't do as much public typing or public... Do, does he do public typing or public speaking? I've always wondered. I'm not... Um, really, uh, speaking. I think it's, it's probably... Public yeah. Speaking. Well, it's, it's a computer that speaks for him. It's not really him yeah. speaking. Uh, I'm it's more like, it's more like public them. thinking more than anything else. <laughs> and you know, I'm just curious. We get, we get the guy who signed for Obama in South Africa... Oh, that, that uh, is we, awesome. We, we get him to do the, the sign language, and I think we got that <laughs> Oh, you're sick. Anyway, Dan, we got to let you go. we got to get on uh, our guest uh, in a couple yeah, of seconds Yeah, we got to get Jeff so. on the phone. Okay. Dan, thank you for calling. Thank you for calling in. Appreciate oh, it, brother. Talk to you soon. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. That's uh, the great Dan. Dan the Dan, man. Th- With Dan, the answer. Thank you. thank you, Dan, for calling in. Uh, see, he called in once, and uh, it was all weird, man. had all that stuff going on in the background, but he called back, and... We got to get his call on the air, and if, if anybody wants to call in, please do so. We're, we'll take everybody's calls. Open lines seven eight six two four five eight one two seven. In closing, just to uh, finish this article, because I know some people might be like, "Wait, what happened?" Uh, just to uh, finish it off here, some of Sims' alien hunting was recently seen on Uncovering Aliens, a show that has aired on the Animal Planet Science Channel, uh, Destination America, and the American Heroes Channel. Uh, he appears as part of an investigation team uh, that includes Michael Barrow, who's a great dude. I've met him. And interviewed him, really nice guy, uh, Stephen Jones, and uh, of course Open Minds' own Maureen Ellsbury. If you guys want to know more about this program, please go to openminds.tv immediately as soon as the show is over, and check out the article on there. It's also posted on uh, facebook.com forward slash skywatchersradio, which is our Facebook page, and also you can look all that stuff up by going to skywatchersradio.com. Guys, we're going to be back in a couple minutes. On the other side with Jeff Willis right here on Skywatchers Radio. Stick around. This is the Dark Matter Radio Network and PSN Radio. We'll be right back. them all its own. Don't wreck it with a text. Before you get behind the wheel, silence your phone. Or better yet, designate a texter. For more text-free driving tips, visit StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Green light. Hey girl, school zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! (gasps) It's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text, stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. 
We're rewarding you for something you already do. Listening to us. It's radio loyalty, and it's an easy way for you to get free stuff. All you do is sign up. Go ahead and click the banner now. You'll earn points as you listen. Points you can trade in for great products and services in the radio loyalty store. You can earn even more points when you share your favorite station with friends on Facebook and Twitter. Radio loyalty. It's free to sign up. So click the banner to join now. Put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions. Providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology. Preventative maintenance and networking support. Hardware and custom built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now. 954-973-3374. That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. Mental disorders are common in the United States and internationally. An estimate 26.2% of Americans ages 18 and older suffer from some sort of mental illness. Now, this figure translates to 57.7 million people who suffer from some sort of mental breakdown. If you find yourself laying in bed on a Sunday night hearing voices while you're trying to sleep, well, it might not be that demonic being from another dimension trying to kill you where you sleep. It might just be your mental mental illness starting to kick in so if you're out of meds for the night then i have just the thing come listen to my show the jackal's head you can check out our listen live page only on www.psn-radio.com see you there this ad has been paid for by the jackal's head and the war on terror war it's fantastic Up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's SupermanHomePage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. SupermanHomePage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. SupermanHomePage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store.
right, everybody, we are back live on Skywatchers Radio right here on uh, PSN Radio N the Dark Matter Radio Network. And now, like we promised, our guest Jeff Willis is on with us, and he's going to be on live for the next hour and a half. So please, if you guys want to call in and ask him any questions, do so. The 786-245-8127. And again, you can find us on PSN Radio by looking that up on Skype. If you want to you know, look us up on Skype, please do so. Call in. We'll let's take your calls. The guy that's doing all the heavy breathing there, that's Jeff Willis. Jeff, how you doing, sir? Welcome to Skywatchers Radio. Hey, Alan. Hey, uh, Angel. How you guys doing tonight? Wonderful, Pretty good, wonderful. man. Great. Happy to, ha- great to be happy- on the air with you guys. Happy well, to have you on. Jeff, since you're outside, are you recording anything right now? Um, no, I'm not. Not I don't, I don't see anything out there right now, but, uh, you know, me, I'm out here watching all the time, most, most of the time. Well, any right, any well, chance I get. <laughs> all right, Jeff, let me throw a question at you just to start opening the uh, questions up. When people uh, are recording, do you people mostly find, and even from your own experience, um, do people mostly find stuff that they're catching on video uh, in post-review or while they're out there looking for something? Because from my experience and what I've seen that people are posting on the internet, they always there's a higher percentage of people that weren't really looking for something that caught something accidentally that they found it in the footage later on. Well, it all you know it always starts out like that you know with people you know there's you know it works both ways. You got the group of sky watchers that are out all the time just dying to you know get their next best piece of footage. And then you got the people that are just out and about doing their own business, and then all of a sudden they see something, and then they're able to record something amazing. And then when they analyze it and they find out that it's not an airplane or not a bird or a helicopter or something conventional, uh, when those type of photographs show up, then it usually gets them involved in the UFO phenomenon. And then after some study, some people get hooked on it, some people don't. So... You know, the people that get hooked, then they are out there sky watching like us, like the rest of us, sooner or later, hopefully. Now, you got started a long time ago sky watching, and uh, you, you've amassed, uh, it says on your bio, at least 250 hours of solid UFO footage. Uh, now, that's stuff that you've taken yourself, because we were asking our, you know, earlier, yeah, it, is it, it stuff it, that you've taken stuff- or you've bought? Some of it. Yeah, it's stuff that I took myself because it, I started. I'll give you a, a little bit uh, detail about how I started with the video photography of it all. Um, you're familiar back in uh, 1990, uh, 91, when the solar eclipse over Mexico happened. Do you recall that? Oh, yes. Sure. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, you know, I, you know, that was the bi- a big thing for ufologists because as a ufologist. Um, I realized that when the solar eclipse happened, that people saw UFOs. And so uh, a little bit more uh, reading in on the subject, I, I discovered a guy named John Bro that lived in uh, California at the time. And I seen an article in the old Timothy Beckley UFO magazine where they had an article about John Bro, and they talked about how he can videotape a uh, UFO any time of the day. And so I kind of put the two together i thought wait a minute a solar eclipse and people are seeing ufos where the sun should be but it's not and now here's a guy that blocks out the sun with his house and he's able right, to see solar UFOs, obliteration. UFOs in broad daylight 
Right, you're talking okay. about the so, you're talking about the solar obliteration uh, where right. you, you know you yeah I, I'm familiar with the process actually, but right. from my so, understanding, more people were recording rods than actual UFOs. Right, they were and that doing was my right. Next, right, and that that was my next step. Is I was going to say uh, later on during that same period, uh, Jose Escamilla came out of nowhere with all these rod footage. And he became famous basically by doing the same thing that John Bro was doing and how he became famous in the UFO field. So I put both of them together, and I started uh, doing the same technique, and I started getting both. I started getting lots of rods, and I started getting lots of UFOs. And this was uh, after ruling out which ones were bugs, which ones were cotton, which was high-altitude insects, uh, you know, anything that that you can explain away we took those ones out of the equation and then we were left with hundreds of hours of videos and that was just in the solar uh the, the solar technique footage later on uh around uh i'd say 98 or 90, 1999 i decided that the you know, the a lot of the hardcore um you know big wigs in ufology they kind of looked down at the solar footage and and they weren't too, they weren't too keen on it. And a matter of fact, you know, they didn't they weren't afraid to tell people about it. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, there was a lot of a lot of good UFO footage shot in that manner. But the problem is, is there's a lot of junk shot the same way. So what I decided to do in around ninety eight uh, ninety nine, I decided to completely turn my back on the sun, once and for all, and start videotaping footage, uh, ad- you know, in the sky that wasn't related to that way of shooting UFO video. And sure enough, I was started to videotape some of the best smoking gun video sightings I've ever had in my whole life. And, and you know, it just took off from there at that point. Well, tell us more. Tell us more. Okay. Well, uh, first of all, um, you know, I back bef- when I first got into the video uh, footage, I was working on a couple different UFO sites. Uh, as a news editor, and once I did start getting into the smoking gun footage, uh, shooting it myself, after you know a few years of doing the solar technique, I started getting amazing footage. Like uh, I, I seen triangles, videotape triangles, um, the, uh, the five May 12, 2006 uh, uh, footage um, that I shot on uh, North and North Phoenix on the Thunderbird, the Thunderbird. Uh, Park area mountain here in Phoenix. People that are in this area will know what I'm talking about. But I shot this amazing footage, and I was with Pat Uskert from UFO Hunters because we were. Well, this was way before UFO Hunters, like at least a couple of years before the show. But we were uh, putting together a documentary called UFO Road Trip that we were working on, and so we were out investigating sightings in the area. And I caught this video of this this triangular object appearing. It it, it, it was basically lights that were skipping in front of each other, um, traveling, uh, like, kind of like, it was weird. It looked like interdimensional travel or something, but uh, all these um, people that analyzed the video were seeing like a triangle object. Well, the night after we videotaped it, I was like so impressed with the video, I was sent to Darbell, and he called me like very fast. Like it was like an hour after I sent him the video, he called me within an hour and he told me that, uh, you know, he'd like to have me on the show. And I was like, well, sure, you know. So he put me on the show, and we talked about the piece of footage. And it had been a while since I'd been on with Art. I hadn't been on for a few years at that point. But I was on a Dreamland show with him, but 
I was recorded by Linda Moton Howe on the telephone, and the, the conversation between me and her were played back on a Dreamland episode about some different video footage I shot. This one, in the Dreamland episode, we were talking about a double dome video. Uh, it was like a, a cigar-shaped object with two domes on top and three balls of light on the bottom and, and in broad daylight flying incredibly flat, uh, fast across the sky. And uh, so mainly... After the, the May 12, 2006 footage, I, I filmed uh, different triangles. I filmed a triangle over my house. This one is labeled on my website. By the way, my website's ufosoverphoenix.com. And there's this footage on there called 4-20-2006. And this footage shows a triangle. It basically starts out as two balls of light, and then the, the one ball disappears, and then there's one light left. Or, or there was three at first, and one disappears, and there's two left, and then the two turn into some sort of triangle or shaped object, and right. it just kind of hovers, and it just kind of hovers over my house. So, you know, I mean, the video is is amazing in itself. Um, but I mean, I've seen some of your footage, man, and I, I was pretty impressed. I'm going to be honest. I mean, it, you've put a lot of footage on the internet over the last few years and you know I've had this conversation with Alan in, on the show with many guests that I don't really trust a lot of the footage that goes on the internet especially the last 10 years just because <laughs> of the CGI and all the you know how easy it is to create some of this stuff but you can almost always tell right off the bat what's CGI and what's kind of like authentic and legit or at least something that would really take a lot of work to to pull off you know what I mean and I've seen that in some of your of your footage that it really looks as as authentic as it gets, uh, you know, it, as a sky watcher though, and somebody who takes the subject as serious as you do and as we do here on the show, uh, does it bug you though how you know rabid the internet is right now with all the hoaxing and all the people putting up like you know CGI UFOs and trying to pass yeah, them off as it, real things? Yeah, it's horrible. It, it just messes up the whole subject, and you know, it's 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 not good for the subject matter at all because no one knows what to believe anymore. I mean, right. my like like we were saying, my footage you can tell it's shot in the camera, and it's right. I mean, the, it's some of the ma most amazing stuff out there. I mean, I, I shoot a daylight saucer in the middle of the day that you can see in broad daylight. It was featured on that best evidence con on tape show by Bob Kiviat. Uh, you can see that on YouTube, and it sh it shows me for about 15 minutes talking about my footage, and it's got a short interview of me. My footage has also been featured on the Walt Disney motion picture uh, Race to Witch Mountain with The Rock. Like five of my clips are at the beginning of the movie. Oh uh, yeah, the opener. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So my and my footage has also been on a DVD with Dan Aykroyd called Dan Aykroyd Unplugged on UFOs. Yep. And I, I actually came, just came out with a new DVD this year. Uh, I, I try to come out with one every year, but the new one's called uh, Paranormal X, Finding E.T. And I have, like, basically have two websites, ufosoverphoenix.com, and I have another one called ufofootage.net. And so uh, people can check those two sites out. Jeff, let me ask you, why do you uh, believe that, you know, you are able to see UFOs at such a, a you know random rate or at such a high rate over the last couple decades. Uh, okay, well people, now we. Uh, I was going to say now we're opening up an opening up a Pandora's box. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, 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 let me let me finish multiple, the let me finish the question. Let sure. me finish the question, and you'll be you'll be able to like to dissect uh, Pandora's box pretty good on this one. Uh, you know. <laughs> 
you know, why do you think that you've had success uh, taking so much uh, footage? Uh, and a lot of people who've tried have not had as, uh, as much success. Like I, for example, I've done a lot of sky watching over the last uh, five years, six years, and I've had very little success catching anything good. Uh, most of the stuff that I that I've caught, though, I've you know chalked it up to like satellites or you know funky looking right. uh, planes from a different angle, uh, some balloons from really far away. Uh, you know, one thing that a lot of people get and they really don't understand sometimes when they're recording you know videos, uh, there are occasions, especially during the weekend, where nearby car dealerships will release a bunch of balloons to replenish them for the next week, to put new ones up, and they usually tie them in a bunch and they just release them. People see that from far away, they record it, they think it's a UFO, next thing you know it's on YouTube as an authentic UFO. You know, that happens all the it time. Happens all, it happens all the time. There's lots way, of, there's, there's lots of skywatchers that post it, and the yep. problem is the problem is, is it starts. It started a whole new phenomenon of people that think that the strings on balloons are some sort of uh, <laughs> yeah. propulsion system yeah. or some sort of arm that picks up uh, animals or some crazy stuff like that. Yeah, and they're tentacles. Just, uh, I'm telling you, they're tentacles. <laughs> yeah, tentacles. Exactly. That's where I was going with it, and it just brings up a whole uh, a whole bunch of crazy people that just can't get. The, past the fact that it's a balloon floating through the sky, you know. I mean, I just don't get it, you know. But, but what's made you so successful compared to like uh, those, you know, people that are j- just fooling themselves? Well, well, I mean, I took, I take my footage and I look at it. If it looks like a balloon, if I can't tell if it's a balloon or not, and there's, or if there's no string on it, and it still looks like it could be a balloon, you know, it, it, it could, it has to look more like an orb or more like a bona fide UFO uh, before I'll post it, and. You know, I mean, I try not to post just the white dots, you know, that I, I get, a, I got so many of them that I haven't even posted online that it's not even worth posting them. You know, I wait to basically shoot some smoking gun video and then I put it up there. Um, I shot kind of a cylinder thing uh, a few months back that looked a lot like the Tim Edwards footage from back in, you know, uh, 1998, I believe it was. It looked pretty similar to it. Um, and then I right. shot some other. Uh, weird, like egg-shaped thing, or it looked—it basically looked like a, like a probe of some sort over my house. A daylight footage, not too long ago, uh, 2013. I sh- had uh, some, uh, probably about two or three videos from 2013, and then I—I uh, I, uh, usually save most of my videos for a DVD. At the end of the year, I'll put together a DVD with some of my footage and some of uh, the, the other sky watchers' footage that I work with. And, you know, we make a compilation of uh, different types of footage, uh, you know, and put it out there. A lot of st- Most of it's never seen on YouTube before, you know. Right. That, that way people get something that they've never seen. Now, how, how many conventions do you do uh, per year um, traveling around showing well, new material? It just depends. I, I usually do at least one a year, at least. Okay. For the last few years, it's only been one a year, but I have been um, I have been a speaker at a couple different conventions. I was a speaker at uh, the Roswell UFO Conference, and I was a speaker at the International UFO Conference here in Phoenix. So um, those were my two speaking engagements. <laughs> but mostly I do TV and radio, um, uh, different types of... Uh, programs on cable like um like my last show i was on was chasing ufos episode five i don't know if you're familiar with that show everybody hated it yeah uh, uh, chasing ufos they said it was just a a joke but 
even the people that even the uh, researchers, you know, the on-camera, uh, you know, researchers uh, complained about the show in an article. They bashed their own show and everything. I'm sure you're familiar with that. Yeah, yeah definitely. One thing, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Alan. Go ahead. No, one thing I don't understand is is with so much interest in the UFO community and all the TV shows that actually get good ratings, why do they keep on getting canceled and another one has to pop up? You know, that's well, there's a, a lot question. of speculation. Yeah. Um, like, for instance, like they always say, oh, we made an episode where we got too close to the truth and they shut us down. That's the most common one I hear. Um, the other one, Star, is, is com- oh, they- it common, but is it a true answer? It could be true in a, lot, in a lot of different cases, depending on what really happened. But a lot of pro, a lot of times, I think that it's a network thing. So when the network doesn't get enough views on this program, and the other networks kicking their butt on that show, they either move the show to a different day, or they either get rid of the show. So that's kind of how they deal with it, unfortunately. Sad, and I sad. know there's there's not a lot sad, of UFO yeah. shows out there right now too. Like you're saying, there's there's just no. only probably on. You know, I can count them on one hand, basically. And you know what gets me is uh, you had great shows like UFO Hunters was a really good show. I mean, you, you guys did uh, really good work on that show, and uh, it's sad when that show like went off the air. But then you have like shows like Ancient Aliens that from the very beginning, there's a lot of stuff on there. There, you know, kind of hokey. Some of it has been already proven to be. False. Right. Uh, well, so, yeah, I had that. Uh, I actually have that on my website. I've been trying to, um, you know, be a uh, on-camera a co-host for a show. You know, I put it out there on my site that I'm here. I'm waiting. You know, mm. and no, no producers are calling me, and I'm more than willing to to uh, put my expertise in this field on camera on a show and actually get to the bottom of this. Send me to some places where we can find the truth about this kind of stuff, because it's like, you know, the old saying goes, the truth is out there, all you have to yeah. do is find it, you know. <laughs> yeah, but do you think it might be that the, the well's kind of, like, running a little dry in ufology, and maybe the, the interest is switching to, like, you know, more paranormal stuff, or even more scientific stuff, because, look, you know, Cosmos coming back has been, uh, you know, great, it's done, you know, really well in the ratings, it's popular, kids are talking about it, my nephew's who are, you know, ignoranus when it comes to science. I mean, they're into movies, sports, uh, you know, comic books, uh, you know, all the good kid stuff. And uh, one of my nephews came up to me and said, man, I've been watching that Cosmos show, and it's great to hear my nephew say that. You know, it really, like, fills me with some joy to to understand that a kid is getting something really great out of a science-based show that is clean and it's wholesome and is actually teaching them something positive. And, you know, people are kind of leaning, I think, towards more in that direction. Do you think there is that cooling-off period for ufology? which happens in every genre of everything. I mean, everything has a period where it kind of, like, goes away and then it comes back. You think we might be falling into that kind of period right now with ufology? Yeah, are we at the point of saturation? A little bit, yeah. Well, I think what we're at the point is, is we're at the point of the lack of a study of where the phenomenon's really going. I mean, there's certain, there's so many different aspects to the UFO phenomenon. I mean, you've got the crop circles, you've got the cattle mutilations, you've got the human abduction scenario, you have the UFO phenomenon, you know, which is a separate issue, because in a lot of these uh, UFO abduction cases, you don't see a UFO with the entity. The entity just appears in your bedroom. The next thing you know, you're on a craft. There's no middle, there's no middleman UFO, and uh, you know, you don't see it usually landed or up in the air or whatever. You just you're just there, or the the uh, 
whatever the aliens are trying to do to you, or if they are aliens, um, they do it right there in the room where you have a piece of missing time you don't remember or you remember seeing something that doesn't make sense or something like this, you know. So there's lots of different aspects to it. Um, what I mean by the study of where it's going is, is there's very few ufologists that have actually figured out that uh, the paranormal, like ghosts, uh, ghosts and uh, uh, different uh, different aspects of the paranormal are, are connected with uh, with the alien abduction phenomenon. Um, there's some aspects to synchronicity. Um, I've had some synchronicity events that lead up to a UFO encounter or a, a sighting of an entity. And I know this all sounds crazy to maybe people that aren't as deep into it as a lot of people are or people that have, and I mean deep into it. What I mean by that is actual experiencers. I mean, it's one thing to videotape a UFO, but it's another thing to actually find out why you've been videotaping these UFOs. Right. And uh, it, it which, brings... by the way, that kind of go- ties into like the question I had earlier for you, like you know, what's made you so su- successful in in well, capturing UFO I, footage? Yeah, that that's why I said it was kind of a Pandora's box because this <laughs> all started way before I videotaped my first UFO. Okay, right. I, uh, I got to throw a question out here. Um, you're telling me that there is a direct correlation with paranormal experiences, such as ghosts and uh, of course things like that. With yeah. UFOs. Okay, in that case, I've got a really interesting question. Um, why is it then that ghosts and such show up on scientific equipment like EMF meters and uh, infrared video cameras and things like that? Ooh, and, I'd love to answer that, but I want to let Jeff hit that one up first. And we get English uh, EVPs, but we really don't get anything similar to that. Uh, when it comes to UFOs, well, my answer to that is it's either it's either an entity pretending it's a ghost, mm. or an entity making a voice on a tape recorder that you, to make you think it's a ghost, or it's a, an actual a, uh, it's an actual spirit that never inhabited a body, or it could be a, a spirit that did inhabit a body at one time but that has passed away. Uh, so now, right there, we have three different answers and no one knows what it really is yet so this is the problem with it the other mm-hmm. thing that the, the the other thing the ufo phenomenon has um uh, has in common with the paranormal is the near death experience scenario and the actual uh death in itself there has been witnesses that have actually claimed to have seen dead relatives on board a UFO with the graves standing right next to them and asking them to tell a message to their family members to tell them that they're fine, they're okay, you know, and they pass this message on and you know, the family members think they're crazy or something, but it really <laughs> happened to them. So, you know, I've stories, never heard of this these, one, so... These stories yeah. are out there. These stories yeah. are out there. There's books, um, there's books no. by, by, by Ray Fowler... The Watchers too that talks a little bit about yep. near death experience and their relationship mm-hmm. to UFOs. So there's a lot of stuff out there. 
Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. I was going to quote that. Uh, actually, I've had I have heard about that before, uh, Alan, and it doesn't shock me that some people would have those kind of experiences. In fact, we you know we've talked about this on the show before, uh, and at least my personal belief is that uh, a lot of paranormal activity, especially you know years ago, like hundred two years ago, two, three hundred, four hundred, five hundred years ago, uh, stuff that people considered demons, goblins, ghosts, uh, you know, stuff that people were afraid of in the dark that they might have seen. A lot of that were aliens that were probably misidentified because they didn't know any better on how to identify these things and over the yeah, years there's been different lore and mythology that's been built up uh, and who's right. not to say that look who's not to say that, that the whole ghost phenomenon or it's not us uh, looking at for example beings from another dimension and not so much ghosts uh, you know of people that died here and then went to heaven but maybe when we die we go to another dimension and we're trying to like bleed our way through back to this dimension to you know get a message across or something like that. In fact, Art Bell a long time ago, uh, you know, talked about the veil dropping and how, you know, one day maybe that veil will drop and we'll be able to, to contact other dimensions and other sides and, and who knows what that would bring. And I think that really kind of correlates with the whole alien phenomenon. I think that veil kind of is dropping, Jeff. And I think that, that might be what, you know, we're seeing uh, when we see a lot of the correlations between aliens and ghosts and paranormal phenomenon. Just right, and it, it, it's uh, to answer your question before is why is there uh, a decline in this type of subject matter and de- decline in these type of shows? Uh, now, I don't really know if there is uh, a decline to ufology or a decline to the interest of of UFOs and ufology in these type of shows, but I do know that if there is a decline in it, that's that may be the reason why is because people they start to dive into this stuff and they start right. to think that maybe these aliens are demonic and then they don't want to have nothing to do with UFOs at all and they totally get out of it. So, I mean, that could but be wait a, a minute, wait a minute. The Vatican's willing to baptize them now. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's a good right. point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I wonder why they're so interested in, in, in the UFO phenomenon. I mean, if you really think about it, I mean, you know, they have maybe have some questions to answer. Uh, well, first answer I want from them is why do they name their uh, telescope Lucifer? Yeah, exactly. And if they're gonna if they're gonna baptize the alien, are they kind of trying to convert the alien to Christianity, or what are they trying to do there? I don't really yeah. understand that. But I mean, the thing is, though, if the alien's real, then it should be able to tell us a lot more about Christianity than than we know. Because if they have a, a, a civilization that's older than us, then that means that they met God probably a lot longer than we did. So I don't get. What, why the Vatican would think that they were smarter than an alien, <laughs> you know, if you know what I'm talking about. Well, I, I think the Vatican, in their defense, I think what they've done is they've kind of cleared the the way for disclosure one day to happen and say, look, you know, it is part of God's plan to have uh, multiple planets with life. You know, that's all part of the design, the grand scheme of things, because, uh, you know, why would God, if, and this is questioning, you know, God in a way, but, you know, they would probably say, why would God create the heavens, the earth, the universes, the planets, the stars, the galaxies, everything, and then just have one planet with life? No, God's work is everywhere. It's all in nature. It's it's abundant and yeah. it's clear that life is everywhere because God seeded life every, everywhere. And I'm sure that's the stance they're going to take when disclosure does happen. Because at the, you know at the end of the day, it's called damage control. They don't want to be the only fish in the sea saying, "Hey, uh, there's there's no aliens. I can't be real." God doesn't say that aliens exist. They don't want to be that fish out of out of water. You know what I mean? They want to be. They basically want to be ready in case it does exactly. really happen. If the, if the aliens really do land on the White House lawn and get out and. 
and introduce themselves on you know, the Today Show and all this good stuff like everybody <laughs> really wants it to happen. If that happens, then I'm sh- you know, sure they'll be ready. But uh, that's never going to happen probably because of the fact yeah. that, um, you know, it may be that whole Star Trek thing where there's a prime directive that they don't interfere with different planets. Yeah, you know if they if they are if they are real. I mean, I know we're that not I civilized things. enough. Unfortunately, we're not civilized <laughs> enough. Right now, I've known I I've seen a lot of strange stuff and I've videotaped a lot of strange craft in the sky. But but are they alien or or are that's the million dollar question? That's right. You know why why shows like yours exist? You know. <laughs> well, we're you still know, talking uh, about it. <laughs> yeah, you know. To clarify one thing, when I said that that. Uh, it might be dying off a little bit, or the will might be drying off. I'm not talking about the the fan uh, reaction or the fan interest, or you know us doing radio on online or stuff like that. I'm talking about like network wide, and I'm talking about like TV wide. Uh, it does well, seem like they're yeah, switching. They might, they, they and it's a, it's a conditioning. It's a conditioning that's going on to kind of uh, make it make it into a, a hokey subject again. Uh, well, it's I think kind for, of like the like you know like we were talking earlier when they get really close to the truth, but. You know, and then that scares the network. And yeah. some, sometimes the, you know, they're trying to investigate a story, and the story takes takes strange twists and turns, and yep. that it would have never, uh, you know, never thought that was going to happen in a million years. And now they have to edit this program with all these crazy things that happened. And the network, like, you know, they they always view the show, of course, before they air it. And every time they view a show, it gets weirder and weirder and stranger and stranger. And and at some point in time, you know, I think that's when the executives come in and they're like, well, you know, (laughs) this is pushing our belief system at some point. And it's not pushing ours, of course, because we we study this stuff all the time. We're well well aware that this type of stuff is happening. But to the average Joe Schmo television producer executive walking down the street, going to his work, his job at, at uh, History Channel or Discovery Channel, you know, uh, you know they <laughs> they they look at it as entertainment purposes. And now when they're confronted with a with a with a program that's you know cutting edge, getting to the truth, and and telling you stuff you don't want to hear, you know, at, at that point maybe you know the hierarchies cut the cut the shows off at that point i don't know i really don't know what's going on behind the scenes but yeah i think it's a little i think it's further back i'm losing it the, no, the shows I was, keep I was, disappearing, like you were saying. Though, yeah, no, I think it's. I think it's. Go, it goes further than back than uh, just uh, the people at the actual networks. I think it goes. You know, the people that are controlling the media in general. You know, behind the scenes, the puppeteers they control even the the the, the heads of the networks. Uh, they're the ones that are doing the conditioning, and uh, I'm. Probably, I really truly believe that there's a, a reconditioning on the subject uh, over the the next. Uh, last five years and the next 15 years. And I think they're doing it on purpose to kind of like wean away people from the interest of UFOs and, and the subject in general. And, uh, you know, we're seeing all kinds of people attacked also in, in ufology. I mean, look what uh, some of uh, the folks have gone through recently, like Stan Romanek and, and them. And even though, look, uh, you know, there's still a jury to be out about the whole thing with Stan Romanek, but the fact that they've gone and investigated him and have gone after him and, uh, you know, we also had William Cooper. I had the, uh, the government go after him years ago. And it's nothing new that the government would go after some of these people. So, uh, you know, what do you think of, of, like, people like Stan Romanek, for example, and what he's going through? You know, they just also, by the way, had an interesting video 25 years later, Bob Lazar. I saw that on the internet Another earlier. one, yeah. 
Yeah. Another one, another another one who got uh, discredited uh, real quickly uh, by government officials and other folks in ufology. But what do you what do you think of like the the current state of uh, ufology in general when it comes to like the mass media and the way they're controlling the uh, the scenes with stuff like Stan Romanek, for example? Well, you're right. It's like all you know. I, I it's like you were saying. I don't really know what happened there, but it's like uh, they don't want to the mass media. They don't want to report that a guy's videotaping an alien outside his window. But then when something happens, uh, you know, <laughs> like what happened, uh, all of a sudden they want to report that, you know. So it's, you know, even if it's uh, if he was uh, framed or whatever, you know, it's like it's like you're, you know, they don't want to they don't want to print the real story, you know. I mean, now, you know, the jury's still out on 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 the on his videos, of course, because we don't know. You know, somebody could have been out there playing a joke on Stan or, or you know. Who knows? We just don't know yet. But that's where the media is going with it. They want to. They only want to report what they want to report. When it comes to UFOs, the mainstream media does not want to have anything to do with UFOs whatsoever. Mm-hmm. That's that's why these shows are disappearing from the cable channels because they probably get backlash every time they put one of these shows on the air. They probably get calls all day long by people that are that are pissed off about it. So. <laughs> You know, it's amazing, it's, and then they have like 400 shows on TV uh, with televangelists and all kind of preachers trying to take your money. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, the UFO thing's a completely different thing altogether, mm-hmm. and, you know, people just don't, you know, the hardcore people, you know, it's going to have its, it's, it's going to have its, uh, its crowd, but, you know, it's hard to win people over to even look at the subject matter. Because like you said, I mean, and like everybody knows, anybody that studies the subject matter of UFOs, if they're not freaked out and scared and start running away from it within the first 10 minutes of it, then, you you know, and, you know, it's a different, it, you know, it's a different animal. Somebody who researches UFO footage, UFO type of related stuff, you know, anybody who deals with the UFO phenomenon is a totally different animal than the, the normal people out there. And, you know, I've looked at myself my whole life you know, sitting in elementary school class in the third grade, you know, and I look at thinking to myself, I'm different than all these kids. Why is that? You know, and I find out later, but uh, (laughs) I think we're chosen for this. I mean, it sounds crazy, but uh, that's how I feel about it. Now, you don't mean like new agey, like star seed chosen type of people? like? No, it's got nothing to do with that. It's like, (laughs) let's just say... Okay, there's a lot of people out there that could have had contacts and not even realized it. But they're interested in That's UFOs. True. Why why is that? Why are you interested in UFOs? You know, like look at yourself. What got what got you into this and why are you so into it? Did you ever have any strange experiences when you were a kid that you can't explain? Um, I mean I could answer that and the answer is yes actually I've had several uh, I had we'll two see. sightings yeah I had two sightings as a kid and you know what's there really funny uh, Jeff <laughs> it, this trip this tripped me out years ago because my father was always into uh, you know alien movies and space stuff like he introduced me to Star Wars and, and a lot of you know like the sci-fi stuff of the 80s even though he didn't speak the language he would always get him in Spanish so he could understand what was going on and he loved sci-fi movies and he took me to go see Fire in the Sky when it came out in theaters 
And we went to a theater down here that played it with subtitles, and he was glued to this movie theater. And uh, let me tell you, he was a huge fan of the whole case for years. You know, he knew about the Travis Walden case. And when the movie started, there's a scene where the aliens are doing their experiment on Travis, and they put that goo down his mouth, and they, they knock him out, and he completely, like, blacks out a couple seconds later. Um, that gave me the worst case of deja vu, and I was a kid back then. But that scene alone freaked me out. Like, if I had actually experienced that at some point in my past, not even kidding, uh, that's how uh, like strong and powerful that scene was to me, to the to the point that I got even more interested in the subject. Um, I don't yeah. think that I was abducted, but it, you never know. You well, really that's what I'm saying. I, I'd, I'd say there is, they, there is a percentage of people that are involved in the UFO phenomenon, at, no matter what aspect of the UFO phenomenon they're involved in, there is a certain percentage of those number of people that are abductees that have no clue of it whatsoever. Right. And, yeah, and that's no. why they're interested in the subject, because they have been... It's like a, hip, a hypnotist could plant suggestions, or, or you can talk to some hip, hypnosis guy, and then he'll like do his thing and say, you're not going to remember any of this, and then snap his fingers, and the whole conversation's gone from your mind. It's in your subconscious mind. All of a sudden, it's it's not... It's not in in your in the forefront anymore. It's buried in there. Right. Uh, and when you see a suggestion, then you remember it. They can plant a suggestion. They can make you never remember it. Eventually, maybe you will. I mean, I don't know how powerful hypnosis is, but but the aliens, if they have a lot of the abduction scenarios, they say there's missing time. There's events they don't remember. They they erase memories from people's minds. Now, all of a sudden, if you had a, an experience when you're a kid. They erase it from your mind, but you start you see a UFO on a news in a newspaper article, and all of a sudden you're you're drawn to it. You you buy it, and you're like fascinated by it, and then you buy every book on on the subject, and you're completely like you you can't separate yourself from it. Why is that? It's because of that that they can't completely erase it. They do that so that you get involved in it. They want you to be involved in it. They want you to spread the word on it. I mean, even if even if these aliens turn out to be extraterrestrials, you know, maybe that is their only way to get the message across the earth because they don't want to land and meet our president and our government because we, they've been shooting at them for all these years. So why would they land? You know, they have, the only way that they can, can get the message across is through the grassroots movement, through UFOs or mass sightings or whatever. You know, it's really their only, their only card they can play, really. Well, hey, hey Jeff, can I, can, Jeff, let me right throw on. a question out for you. With all the video recording that you've done and stuff that you've seen, uh, how many of them have you recorded that actually show military intervention? The reason I ask is, is because one thing that I've always been fascinated by is one of the STS uh, shuttle uh, videos where it shows that we possibly might have been shooting something at a UFO. Uh, and I'm wondering... Right. Um, have you recorded anything videos. like that? Two really? of my videos, actually. Yeah, yeah. The one, the May twelfth video, uh, two thousand and six. After we, after the triangle or the balls of light disappeared, the uh, F fifteen showed up a few minutes later and circled the area where the UFO had disappeared. And then earlier in uh, nineteen ninety eight, I recorded this black disc shaped object in the middle of the afternoon hovering over my apartment complex. And uh, it, it actually, <laughs> it kind of started different. I was lying in bed and completely, totally asleep. 
and uh, all of a sudden, have you ever been asleep and have somebody fool around with you, like pull your leg or pull your arm or touch you or something like that? Yeah. Yes. I was lying in bed totally asleep, and I felt somebody grab my leg and start pulling on my leg. And I woke up totally freaked out because I'm living alone. There's no one in the apartment or whatever. So I wake up freaked out. I look. Nothing's there at all. At that point, I open up my blinds, look out the window, look up in the sky, and there's a black object hovering above my apartment complex, probably about... I'd say it's hovering about three blocks up in the sky, I would say, in distance, and the thing's probably about the size of a Jeep Cherokee or something up there, just like a black hockey puck up there. I videotape it for about probably, I'd say, 15 minutes as it slowly hovers higher and lower, and then it goes a little bit to the north and then backs up and goes a little to the south, and then it kind of does a little, you know, little motion back and forth and further away finally it starts to go behind a tree to where i can't see it anymore at that point right right when it goes behind the tree i'm waiting for it to come out the other end it never does but about 10 seconds later those there was like five or six uh double-bladed black uh helicopters come out of nowhere and circle the area uh making so much noise the whole complex was rumbling and uh, they did like one pass, and then and they they flew off. So that it was pretty amazing. Uh, really? Man, I got it all on video. It's on the site. Um, yep. I can't rem. I think I can't really remember what video it is. I think it's uh like uh, January seventeenth, nineteen ninety eight, or nineteen ninety nine, or something like that. It was so long ago. But yeah, military involvement. Definitely. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. yeah, it is interesting. You know, I've always wondered if, uh, if uh, maybe Doctor Who got it right. With uh, remember the uh, the episodes with the uh, the race called the Silence. Every time you turn away from the, from the uh, gray looking aliens, they wipe your memory so you don't remember anything. Maybe that's what's going on. <laughs> maybe you reference. know, there's some there's some people that do remember it full recall, like uh, Betty Andreessen, the Andreessen yeah. affair, uh, and also. There's other people that remember bits and parts of it, like Travis Walton, uh, of course. Mm. The uh, Cal- uh, remember the uh, Patsagula, Mississippi event with uh, Calvin Parker and uh, and the other guy, the fisherman that that saw the UFOs uh, capture him. Uh, remember that case? That one I don't recall. Which you're not talking about Randall Shin Forrest. It was in the. It was in. No, this was in the 70s. Uh, okay. It was uh, Patsagula, Mississippi. Um, Calvin Parker and uh, this other guy where if they were fishing and a UFO like lands behind them this was like in 3 in the morning or whatever and it abducts them and it's the aliens you'll, you'll remember this it's the only aliens that were probably ever you know witnessed like this but the drawings of the aliens they had spikes on their heads like one on the top and two on each side do you remember those drawings? yep I remember the drawings yeah. talking about yep yeah now this is one of the this is the only case in ufology where the aliens were drawn like this. Now are these right. robots or what are these guys? Are these are these just robots designed by the aliens to go out and do their bidding so they don't have to risk themselves in our environment? Or what are these spiked head creatures? I mean, no one ever had a UFO sighting with these guys ever since then. And so where do they fit in? So I mean, you have all you have the Space Brothers case of the 50s and 60s where people saw regular white guys 
right. come down in saucers. And then you have the 80s and 90s where the grays are, you know, are full swing, but then the grays really started back in the Barney and Betty Hill case in the late right. 60s. So, and I remember, mean, you, you, can't, you, can't, you can't forget our Martian green friends also from the 60s and 70s. Yeah. So you got all these different types of races supposedly coming, and no one knows really what's going on. So, Well, I mean, is part of that could, that, could could it be really, Jeff, that part of it is uh, kind of conditioning through, you know, movies and media and stuff like that? You know, what is popular uh, in the movies is usually what, you know, people would tend to see a lot more of. Uh, when Close Encounters of the Third Kind came out, you know, the Little Gray Aliens became, like, the norm. Right after that, Communion used them. Uh, you know, that kind of well, became, like, the image of the aliens for, like, the last well, so- uh, three decades. Well, supposedly, the Close Encounters of the Third Kind movie was actually designed to actually tell the story of people that actually did have those encounters, yeah, and, I, yep. and they actually took the stories from different people, the description mm-hmm. of what they looked like and stuff. So, right. uh, you know, the only thing missing from that, uh, you know, it was basically not a non, it was basically a fiction movie, of course, but they should have at least did a disclaimer at the beginning that, that said that these accounts are um, described by you know, people that have had that have witnessed the same thing, or something like that, or based on the experiences right, of right. people, something like that. Maybe they did. I don't. I can't remember. So long well, they ago, they but. did, but Spielberg did that a couple of times. I mean, even with uh, Poltergeist stuff, for example, that was loosely based on a real story that he had heard, and then he decided to do Poltergeist. Um, so, I mean, he he did that, and other movies like even The Exorcist is based on, and that's not Spielberg, but even The Exorcist Exorcist was based on a real case. Of exorcism, and uh, it was a little boy, not a little girl. Uh, I think it was the '60s or '70s, I want to say, but it's uh, '60s, I believe. Uh, but, but I mean, that's not un- that uncommon, also. But uh, right there, we're talking about reality influencing art, influencing reality. Right, and you got to remember, this all started even earlier in the, you know, when, when, uh, you know, in the '30s, and when, you know, they they put them in the comic books, you know, the invaders from Mars and all this stuff, and even those old black and white. Uh, TV shows, Invaders from Mars, or whatever, and you know, and, yep. and stuff. So it kind of got it out there to begin with. But the, was it based on uh, fiction, or was it based on someone that saw something and put it on film, you know, or wrote their ideas on paper and it became a film? So we really don't know the origins of you know where these things come from, especially when you can even go back further and find the you know tablets uh, on or whatever on, on in caves you know drawings of of disc shaped objects you know uh, you know uh hydroglyphs that that go back thousands of years or or mm. you know so you know there you are i mean <laughs> Uh, it's pretty amazing some of the the stuff that does go back a long long time especially like the the cave art that looks very ETish it looks very uh, gray or you know like they look like the grays and it's some of the stuff that they've been finding over late over the years it's Yeah phenomenal. there's even ones where it shows like a guy with an astronaut helmet yeah. and a rocket and an <laughs> yeah. airplane and a jet and a helicopter and you know all these things were carved on 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 the side of a of rock like thousands of years ago so either they yeah. had a glimpse into our future or somebody from the future went back and showed them what we're going to have or there was some sort of race of beings that were interacting with them that had all that stuff but it was it came from another place or it did come from earth but they had their base underground or whatever it was hidden from the from the people that that were primitive or whatever, you know. I'm thinking those that got lost in the Bermuda Triangle ended up in Egypt. <laughs> Possible. Well, 
<laughs> well, who am I to put someone's theory down, you know? <laughs> well, look, at this point, you got to suspend your disbelief, man. You just go with whatever. Anything is possible. You know, we're clutching at straws here, you know, as to what the answer is. We don't know the answer. God only knows when we'll know the answer. And let's not even bring God into it. Yeah, I don't even think uh, God has a clue at this point. It, it, right now, God is like, well, it's really up to the U.S. government at this point. I'm not intervening anymore. It's all up well, to at them. this point, people <laughs> have to decide from themselves, I mean, really, because yeah. the only way you're going to know for sure is through your own um, your own spirit, because these things contact you by physical means, but they also contact you by your, your, your spirit. I mean, if you guys believe in your essence, your, you know, your spirit, your soul, whatever you want to call it, your essence, your inner being. Like, if you believe that if you die, that your that your soul's going to still be there, you're still going to be somewhere, right? But just yeah. not in your body. Well, uh, these whatever these guys are in these ships, they can interact with you both ways. They can interact with you physically and spiritually, or or out of body, or whatever you want to call it. I mean, you you got to. Remember, a lot of these abductions are astral abductions where people see themselves lying on the couch because they've just been removed from their body by an entity. And off into a UFO they go, and they're put on a table just like the physical abductions, and then they're, they're given an examination and maybe a scoop mark scar on their leg. The next morning they wake up in their bed back in their body, and the scar's there. Um, like in Betty Andreessen's case, uh, the alien showed up while she was lying on her couch. He pushed a button on his belt, and she came out of her body and was standing right next to the alien, looking back at her body lying on the couch. The alien looked at her and said, it's time to go. The next thing she knows, she was on board the ship. So they can abduct you physically and uh, astrally. Um, you know, like we discussed before, people have seen their dead relatives on board UFOs. So, you know... There's something that is connected with it, and I don't really know exactly how it is. He pushed a button on his belt, so that shows that it's technology on one hand. Now, if I had a, a technology on my belt, I could push a button and make you come out of your body and, uh, and take your essence somewhere and then put you back in later. You know, that's some pretty heavy-duty stuff right there. Yeah, no kidding. Listen, I got a, a question from Chad here. A uh, Cali guy wants to know in our chat room. Uh, by the way, if anybody wants to join our chat, is psn-radio.com forward slash listen-chat-live. So go there. Uh, but Cali Guy wants to know uh, if you uh, have done any research on underground bases, in, uh, including Phil Schneider and some of the uh, the claims he made uh, before he left us. Well, the underground bases, you know, all the faculties are connected. I mean, the, you know, the, the, Cheyenne, the Cheyenne Mountain, the Area 51, um, the uh, one up in uh, Shasta, Mount Shasta, uh, the Dulce Base, all, all of these bases have underground, I would say they have underground tunnels that lead to each one with um, probably uh, some type of uh, bullet train type of transportation or maybe even... You know, I mean, it, you can get crazy. I mean, you can take you can take what Andrew Biasciago says and just say that there's jump rooms and these people can like teleport themselves all over the country. They don't, you know, all the top secret people can just teleport. If you're this level above top secret, you're allowed to teleport yourself wherever, you know, like to this base or to that base or to Mars or whatever. You know, if you want to 
get that crazy. But, I mean, the theories are out there, and, and there's all these stories out there. So, you know, uh, all I can go on is what, what other people have already come up with and then, and, and, you know, put my two cents to it, you know, and what I think about it. But I, I do think that all the bases are connected, and I do think there's underground tunnels to each one of them. Do you think uh, that disclosure is uh, imminent, and uh, do you think that a lot of the construction of the underground bases, uh, especially in the last decade, which there's been a lot of rumors of a lot of different bases constructed, uh, do you think a lot of that has to do with the imminent upcoming uh, disclosure uh, that we're getting in the next five years? It depends on how many more whistleblowers uh, come mm. out of the woodwork and tell their stories like Bob Lazar dared to do. And he's still alive, like 20 years later, he's still alive, and the story that he told is, you know, it's pretty fascinating. Um, I believe what? it, to tell you the truth. I do believe in a story, and I believe every every word of it. Um, it's just well, that's, it's that's, fun, that's funny you mentioned. Let me stop you right there. That's funny you mentioned, because I, I had this conversation uh, with, about Bob Lazar about a week and a half ago with another gentleman who I'm not going to name. Uh, but he's, he's in ufology. He's really, really well-known, and I just don't want to name drop because, you know, it wouldn't be fair. Uh, but uh, it's safe to say uh, that he thought Lazar was uh, completely full of BS. And I'm not talking about Stan Freeman either, by the way, because I know Stan has his issues with Bob Lazar. Uh, but this person really just said, uh, does not believe a word that Bob Lazar was saying, and he was throwing at me all you know certain information how there was no records found that really showed that he worked at uh, at uh, Los Alamos that the one well, record Bob that they had was you know a phone record which could have been anything. Uh, there were certain th- details that were kind of like screwy. Uh, he couldn't prove that he worked at Area 51, which was really like that. That was, for me was uh, the clincher. Uh, if he could find some kind of evidence, but you know, my th- my thing back to that was, well, of course, not gonna, there's not going to be any evidence. Uh, they don't want him to prove that he worked there. But you know, you would figure that he would keep a pay stub or something. You know what I mean? Well, you know, it's hard to really say what it, what really happened there. I I don't know. I I just there's something about his story. I believe. I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's just that all the details, and it's like, why would he do it? I mean, why would he? I mean, he didn't make any money off of it. He, he oh, I, I don't know. I don't know about that. He, look, well, that's not, he may that's have not, made a little, but he he's a money. scientist. He can make a lot more doing the type of work that he does. You know, I mean, he works on jet engines and jet cars and stuff like that. I mean, he can make a living without UFOs in his life, and. uh to come up with that, just it, it just doesn't make sense because the I, I mean the element one fifteen thing it just all makes sense the way that he does the way that he shows on chalkboard how the the ship works and it's just it just it's it doesn't make sense that he would come out up with all that by himself. I mean it seems well, like he yeah, but the even thing is, the element... documents on the Zeta reticuli beans that the government gave him they the um. I mean, I'm sure anybody could have researched ufology and maybe come up with a story like that. Well, yeah, but, but no, here's, here's the thing, though. The Element 115, they have been talking about that scientifically since the 70s, so that's not really, like, that wasn't a new element that he just came out and said, all right, here's an element they're using and nobody knows about. Uh, science right. uh, actually knows about Element 115 since the 70s, like I said, and the most they've ever been able to do with that element is uh, make it stable for a few seconds before it becomes unstable, so there really isn't any working uh, Element 115 yet. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wasn't there an announcement, like, in the past three or four 
several weeks that uh, two new elements were found, and I believe one of the numbers was 115. Yeah, they, they've discovered it, but they can't uh, make it work uh Permanently, it, it dissolves immediately. Like in a couple seconds, it completely evaporates or goes. I mean, it doesn't work. Basically, it is an element, but it's not an element they discovered. They, they discovered it by you know mixing a lot of different chemicals together, uh, and that's how they created element one fifteen. Well, but they've known about it, this it, since the seventies. Bob Bob even even says that, and uh, on, on, I'm sure you've watched the excerpts from the government Bible. I'm sure you've watched oh, yeah. the documentary, right, where he explains yeah. everything. Well, I think he mentioned something like that that it's very unstable. Right, but but when he put it in the in the reactor and it, and it turns into anim, antimatter and then that's what it uses to abandon warp space time and that's how they can get like you know thirty zeta reticuli is thirty three light years away that's how they can get from there to here within just a couple seconds because they're not traveling in a straight line at the speed of light they're bending and folding space right. time and that's how they get here in a couple seconds so. And you know how he explains that's how they move faster than the speed of light and all that. It just right wormhole you know, technology. At first, when I first saw the documentary, and then he took did he took them to see the UFOs in flight actually before he came forward with the story. He took John Lear out there because he had the te- he knew when they were going to fly him. Remember that story? And then he took John mm-hmm. Lear out there, and they videotaped the. The UFOs flying over Area 51, even though they were... Well, they, vi- they videotaped crafts flying from Area 51, but, I mean, th- that could be a uh, stuffed bomber from far away. I mean, it, well, it could be well, you some saw technology that, you saw the loop that, that, that one did. Remember, I don't know if you remember the old video, but when that first came out, it was on the old sightings television show. Right, yeah. And it, remember, the, the it did, like, mm, a weird angle yeah. loop, and then another one, like, did this weird like spiral down towards the ground and then shot way back up into the sky. I mean, there was more than one object in that video, I believe. Right. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, but again, you know, that stuff is, uh, it could be a number of things. It could be alien aircraft. It could be stuff that we've back-engineered. Most likely is stuff that we've been working on in black budget projects uh, for many, right. many years. I mean, there's a list of different projects. That, right. That, but the that thing is, if he knew exactly so. when they were going to fly it, and he, he brought Lear out there to view it. And sure enough, it happened. I mean, I don't well, know. Well, here's, I mean, here's a part of the conversation that we got into with this uh, unknown, this unnamed person that I was talking to. Uh, you know, the, the Mirage Men movie came out recently, and uh, Dottie and all these people are speaking about, uh, you know, the whole thing being a, a big conspiracy, big cover-up, a uh, big hoax on, on their part, and the MJ-12 documents being a big hoax. Uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that, uh, that we were talking about, the, dealing with the Mirage Men and the fallout from that, and even tying into Bob Lazar, Bob Lazar could have easily have been duped, and and uh, used to push this information out there by certain people in certain uh, in certain positions. No, no, and no they, doubt about it. And I think that the you know there's a high probability that the MJ12 uh, documents are hoaxed. However, yeah. uh, maybe the reason why that hoax happened was because someone out there was part of MJ12. And they had no other way to get the information about the program out there but to hoax a document to talk about it. And, you know, I mean, that, that kind of stretches the whole thing. But, you know, if you were part of a secret program and, you know, and you're already like 80 or 90 years old now and, you know, you know no one knows about it, you know, maybe someone went to great lengths to try to hoax something to try to at least get the story out there. So you're saying plausible deniability. Right, and even though later they find out it's a whole hoax, now 
it's been the you know the MJ12 things out there, you know, and and maybe new documents will come forward in the future that confirm MJ12, and these documents may end up be the being the real deal this time. So, you know, we just don't know really. There's Which would be which, by the way, uh, it would be really bad uh, if that's the case. Because how are we going to, you know, th- tell the, tell apart the truth from the the fake stuff uh, when we have so much uh, misdirection with uh, the hoaxing right. going on? And that's I think what happened. That's what that's what's happening it, here. Really, Z, when Edward that. Snowden when Edward Snowden leaks it all, we'll know it's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps. Well, actually, is well, it, it, is, didn't, didn't that conversation come up where uh, Snowden or one of his work cohorts had said that uh, they have tons of documents on the UFO phenomenon and how well, the government is involved? Well, yeah, and the thing is, is we, you know, if a, if a document is proved hoax, that's fine. It's a hoax, and you know, we don't want people to hoax government documents. We have too many government documents out there that are real as it is. I mean, look at the BlackVault.com and John Greenwald. He's collected so many government documents on UFOs and other government-related paranormal things through, you know, FBI and you know, National Security Agency and CIA and all sorts of stuff, and. And it points right to the fact that they know UFOs are real. They admit it in these documents, and they actually have a, a relationship with them to where they hunt these things. They're involved in different cases, all sorts of stuff. Um, I mean, you name it. I mean, also, look at Timothy Good in, in his book, Above Top Secret. There's a whole a crap load of secret documents that are all blacked out in the back of his book for, uh, obtained yeah. through the Freedom of Information Act. So they know about UFOs. We don't know if they know what they are, but, you know, Area 51's there for a reason. It's, it's, I'm sure it's yes. there to design secret stuff and all this great stuff that this country wants to, to throw their black budget, you know, trillions of dollars uh, you know, around down there and come up with whatever they're going to come up with. But, you know, the anti-gravity thing where people were seeing these, these anti-gravity UFOs goes all the way back to the World War II mm-hmm. with the Nazis. And if they had designed these anti-gravity UFOs and we somehow captured them after the war, then we were already a step up on, on anti-gravity craft. Yeah. Now, all these craft weren't space travel craft, but right. they did get us to the first step of, of anti-gravity, if they were real. And by this time, you know, 60 years later, whatever, we've come a long ways. You know, I, I'm going to stop right there because we do have to hit a break here in a minute. But uh, that, that it's it's really funny you bring uh, the conversation to the Nazis uh, and uh, the possibility of them having this type of, this type of technology. Uh, you know, that's also been something that's been hotly spread over the last uh, couple of decades. Uh, the involvement of the Nazis uh, with the occult, uh, with the possibility of having created uh, flying saucers or have the schematics uh, of flying saucers given to them by uh, possible aliens or interdimensional beings and all kinds of really weird stuff, uh, which even could uh, get into the Roswell uh, situation because what happened to Roswell could easily have been a crash of an aircraft that we created based on their technology. And that's also something that's been hotly debated in ufology for quite a while. Uh, when we come back from break, we're going to get more into that subject. We only have uh, about 20 minutes in the next segment. Uh, so please stick around, and if you guys want to call in, it's 786-245-8127. We're live on Skywatchers Radio with Jeff Willis. And 
a fellow Skywatcher, just like us. So stick around, come back on uh, the other side from the break, and we're going to have more with Mr. Jeff Willis. Put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions. Providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology. Preventative maintenance and networking support. Hardware and custom built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call key information solutions now. 954-973-3374 That's 954-973-3374 Or visit keyinformation.com Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Roswell, UFOs, Flying Saucers, Alien Abduction. Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. All systems are functional. And you pass the reins to Mr. Jackal, the, the new king of radio. Is there life on other planets? This is nuclear physicist Stanton Friedman, and now I'm a voice in the Jackal's head. Is the government keeping secrets from us? This is Stephen Bassett, and uh, I am now a voice inside the Jackal's head. Want to find out more? Listen to the Jackal's head. The biggest trick the Jackal ever pulled was to miss the world <laughs> that he doesn't exist. We're rewarding you for something you already do, listening to us. It's Radio Loyalty, and it's an easy way for you to get free stuff. All you do is sign up. Go ahead and click the banner now. You'll earn points as you listen, points you can trade in for great products and services in the Radio Loyalty store. You can earn even more points when you share your favorite station with friends on Facebook and Twitter. Radio Loyalty, it's free to sign up, so click the banner to join now. You're listening to PSN Radio. The best in talk radio anywhere on the internet.
Alright everybody, we are back on Skywatchers Radio for the last segment of the evening with our guest Jeff Willis. And again, open lines. Anybody wants to call in and uh, give us their two cents on what we've been talking about tonight. Any questions you want to ask Jeff, uh, please do so. The number is again 786-245-8127. And uh, if you want to Skype us, PSN Radio, that's the easiest way to find us. Uh, All our articles and everything that we posted is always posted, like I said earlier, on Facebook.com forward slash Skywatchers Radio. And uh, Jeff, uh, when we left uh, to commercial break, of course, we had to cover a big spectrum of ufology, and you know we've talked about a lot of different things. Uh, one thing that we were getting into uh, in commercial was about some of the freakier stuff that's happened to you over the years. Uh, let's get into that a little bit and, and touch on, on that. What's the freakiest stuff that's happened to you over the last uh, decade or two decades since you've been involved heavily in well, ufology? I, well, I gotta say, I, I mean, this pretty much really all started when I was like six or seven years old, and I was lying in bed, and I, I gotta tell you, I was completely wide awake. I was not asleep at all, and something grabbed my hand. I mean, the lights were out; it was pitch black, you know. And something grabbed my hand, like, like if someone was gonna grab and hold your hand, like, with their hand, and I felt it. And at that point, I got kind of scared because it's like, why is there something that's not supposed to be there holding my hand? And was, so, of course, you panic and you get, you, you like, become frozen, you know, scared, you know, with fear where you can't even move and, like, petrified, basically. And so I, I was so scared I couldn't move. And at that uh, moment, I got enough courage to reach out as fast as I could and turn on the lamp. And as soon as I did that and turned the lamp on, as soon as the light filled the room, there was nothing, I, nothing there. there my, the pressure released, and there was no person or whatever it was holding my hand at all, and it was completely gone. And now I'm like six years old, and I'm just realizing that there's a different reality, one that's separate from the one that we wake up and go to school or work and do every every day there's something separate from that so now I'm introduced to something I don't want to know about and at the same time I'm a kid so I do want to know about it you know so I, well, I went to let me ask you yeah, do you think uh, let me ask you real quick about that uh, experience I mean do you think uh, that it, in any possible way it could have been like sleep paralysis or anything of, of that uh, nature because I mean I suffer from sleep paralysis myself and I've had uh, instances where I wake up in the middle of the night and I swear there's like all kinds of people in the room and I, you know you get see shadows and stuff but then I, I, I just stay lying there I, I, and you know goes away. I would have thought that if I had gone to sleep first maybe that could have been an explanation but I just barely got into bed and I was just started to lay down like within like five or six minutes and another thing is the sleep paralysis is something that is uh, is a word that's thrown out there by doctors that really don't know what sleep paralysis really is. Maybe it is uh, some sort of uh, attack by some sort of entity or or a. I know, hope not because it happens to me a lot. So I'm hoping it's well, not some kind of paranormal entity or. <laughs> well, uh, I've had it happen to me too, but it's also um, accompanying uh, accompanying an entity. Um, like you said, you, you felt like there was people in your room. Well, when you come out of the sleep paralysis, what it is is that basically if it isn't, if sleep paralysis isn't just a scientific thing that happens to your body in between sleep and in between awaking where you're like stuck there where you can't move, if it's right. not, 
if it's not something that's normal or natural, if it's not that, then it has to be something else. Because right. why would why would it feel like there was beings present during uh, a natural phenomenon like that? I mean, why? Well, that, that I mean, could be uh, attributed to a neurological uh, thing. I mean, they've, they've done tests uh, in scientific laboratories where they've uh, done uh, brain uh, brain surgery on patients, and they've uh, mimicked abduction scenarios and different uh, hallucinations and all kinds of stuff. Uh, but not to cut you off, uh, real quick, Jeff, we do have a caller that just joined the uh, the show here. Six five one, you're live with Jeff Willis uh, on Skywatchers Radio. You have any questions for the guest? Yes, yeah, so I had a question. Uh, what you know? Do you think that the UFOs are just looking for something? Because it, it just seems like they come more frequent now, and it just—I live here in Minnesota. And, all of a sudden, now I keep seeing more and more UFOs, and it's it's not like they've done any harm to us or anything. So I'm just wondering if there's just something that's on their planet that they're looking for for themselves. Well, good question, uh, Jeff. Uh, you want to well, drop an answer on I, that? One? Well, I think as it, that sightings are increasing. I mean, if you mm-hmm. visit some of the reporting pages, like Peter Davenport's UFO Reporting Center, you'll see that over the years the the sightings in each state uh, have increased. And if this is just their way, like we were talking about earlier, to get the word out to people that, that, that see them, that there's something else out there, then that may just be their only way to contact the average person walking down the street, you know, yep. to convince them that there's something else out there. Yeah, no, no, it's funny if, if, if you look at a. It's funny if you look at a chart uh, from the last like twenty years, the last fifteen years, and you look at the amount of uh, of you know sightings and reports and stuff. It's you know it keeps rising every year. But like I was saying earlier, the media coverage is going down. So while the individuals are reporting more, it's funny how the you know the the regular uh, news media doesn't want to report it even less nowadays than ten years ago. Uh, it's not yeah. as popular as we're seeing on TV shows. There's a whole different uh, agenda going on behind the scenes. But uh, caller, go ahead. You had another question for uh, Jeff. Yeah, I was wondering. Do you think it's because like the U.S. government is trying to go after them for whatever that they're doing, like seeking or whatever they're looking for? They they it might not know. Like, when the UFOs come around or whatever, that the military just snaps into action and they just but that disappear. Would, wouldn't that make sense, though? I mean, the, the, the military would snap into action if they are not familiar with what's going on. Because, you know, if, let's just say this is a need-to-know basis type of uh, operation. Uh, the president probably won't need to know. Uh, you know, some compartments of the government won't need to know. Some compartments of the military won't need to know. Uh, you know, it, it's very, very black budgeted and very compartmentalized and at this point you know there's you know a good chance that if they do see a craft in the sky somewhere and some army bases nearby they're going to go after because they don't know any better and it's not their fault necessarily i mean jeff would you agree with that answer yeah i would i mean the the thing is though is there's so much you know there's so many things up there that are being videotaped we don't know whether they're they're uh these drones or or uh, alien UFOs, or 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 what you know now, because there, you got so many drones flying around now. There's going to be all sorts of misidentifications as it is. But we're talking no, about sightings 20 years ago, 30 years ago, go or just you know even in the 90s, even you know who knows? These top secret drones have been around for so long. They may have been yep. flying them and been mistaken by UFOs all the time. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Now, I was wondering, though, too, uh, these UFOs that do come into our airspace and things like that, are the U.S. government uh, 
taking military actions? Are they shooting at them or anything like that? Well, when the bona fide UFO shows up, the military, uh, if they, if the, like, like, it's kind of funny. When I think of a UFO and then I think of an, uh, the military catching it on radar and then all of a sudden they say, where is it? It's gone. It went off our screen. I think to myself, a, a UFO and aliens inside of it, and then they see themselves on the government's radar and they push a button and all of a sudden they're off radar. <laughs> you know, it's like they're playing games with us. You know, if if the military tries to surround them, it's not going to work. And they already know that. They've learned that over the years, uh, over the last 50 years. It doesn't work like that. So all they can really do is just, you know, keep tabs on, like, you know, back in the day, they used to scramble a bunch of jets after it or something. They don't do that anymore now. They, they, they visualize it on radar, and then if, maybe if it sits there for a while, maybe they'll send... You know, maybe, you know, some helicopters or a jet to check it out or a couple F-15s or something. But they don't, they don't really, you know, they kind of just observe it from a distance, it seems like, before they would engage. And if you recall, if you, like, you know, we were talking about earlier, um, you know, the study of UFOs, you'll find that the pilots that engaged UFOs in the past became dead. So maybe they don't want to do that yeah. anymore. Um, like, you know, and to talk about what we talked about before with the Nazi UFOs, if, you know, people that study UFOs will find out that there's a lot of paperwork out there that shows these hon honeyboo models and these anti-gravity machines. It's all over ufology if you, if you search the, the German UFO projects and stuff like that. The anti-gravity UFOs have been around a long time. Um, and, you know, maybe the people that take pictures of them throughout the years are videotaped then maybe they were mistaking the anti-gravity craft for the alien craft in a lot of cases. Not to say that alien craft aren't there and that they haven't been sighted because there's so many videos of UFOs and so many pictures of UFOs, you know, to find out who's flying them. That's the million-dollar question right there. So well, <laughs> that's well, that's they keep coming into our atmosphere. That just, it just doesn't go hand-in-hand because hand they keep coming all over the world. I mean, they don't... Right. I haven't really seen any of them do any harm or any crazy things. You know, it looks like they're looking for something. That's what I just don't understand. I mean, they're there probably looking for gold, like... my friend. They're probably looking for gold. <laughs> well, you don't think they, <laughs> yeah, they don't think you, question, you, don't, you don't think they've harmed you, but uh, think of all the, the people that are abductees that, that, uh, you know, found a scoop mark scar on their leg or a little scoop mark scar on their arm or, or found an implant in their body, um, you know, what happened uh, to them during those the moments that they can't remember? Were they traumatized and they can't remember? Or now why is this implant in me? Is it, is it doing my body good? Is it doing it harm? You know, uh, what about the cattle mutilations? Those cattle didn't really feel like it was such a good idea. You know, when they turned up dead, you know, with all their blood sucked out and all their organs gone, you know, that wasn't a really good day for them, so... You know, who no, knows what, you know, who knows what's the the agenda behind all this, you know? It may yeah. not be in the best interest for us, you know? No, and the late uh, Dr. Roger Lear, by the way, uh, you know, was uh, on record saying several times that there were certain implants that really mimicked biology uh, to the point that it was... Uh, Stuck as almost like a symbiote with the with the person they were trying to you know get the uh, the implant out of. Uh, some exactly. of them would actually move away from the scalpel when they were reaching towards you know towards the uh, the implant. It would actually physically move away as if it knew that it was about to be removed. Uh, so well, I, think, I mean, there 
they've faced a lot of different things, by the way, Dr. Roger Lear. Well, the implant is obviously, it has the same genetics as the body, the host right. that it's being put in. So they've already manufactured it to work with that host. Mm -hmm. uh, what it does, if you look at stories um, by uh, people that have had implants that have had them taken out, for, in for instance, like Jesse Long, when they took out Jesse Long's implant, uh, when Roger Lear removed that, um, he all of a sudden started having thyroid problems and all sorts of other health problems. Yep. And he, he thought, well, maybe the aliens put that in there because it was helping him. It was it was some sort of device that they 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 scanned him. They knew what problems he would have, so they stuck something in there to to help him, so he wouldn't have those problems down the road. And now he removed it. And now there's these problems. But then later on, maybe a few months or a year later, I, I remember him saying that he woke up one morning and he felt the lump, and there it was again. They put it back there. So they realized that somebody had taken it out. He got reabducted, and they put it back in. So, you know, they know, like you were saying, when they cut Whitley Strieber's ear open and they tried to pull that implant out of his ear and it moved away from the scalpel. <laughs> yeah. And that's basically, you know, <laughs> they're, they're in a ship somewhere or maybe, you know, looking at their implant on a screen and saying, okay, well, it, somebody's trying to pull it out. And then they just move <laughs> it back further. In. You know, same thing with, oh, we're on radar. Okay, push that button. Now we're not. You right. know, type of a thing. <laughs> So. <laughs> I, I, can, I can just imagine the, the job some alien out there has just looking at screens all day, and if one little light goes off, they know they have to move that implant around. That, that somebody's job. <laughs> <out there. laughs> they got a joystick. No, no. Like they're they, probably get, they probably get paid minimum wage, and they're on Obamacare also. But go ahead, caller. Yeah, I was, no, I was hearing you guys talk about um, like them taking your souls or something like that. Now, what I don't understand is, how would they just take your souls and bring it to wherever and do it up there versus just taking your body? Like, would your body well, be maybe they're soul eaters? Like, well, the thing is, the thing is, is both uh, abduction scenarios have been reported by different abductees. Mm. Um, some of them have been removed by just their body, um, like an astro travel. Um, like, you know, you go to sleep and some people say they can astral travel. Well, when, if, you know, they take you out of your body. They, it's an astral travel abduction, basically. And how it's done is obviously through technology of some sort. And uh, because the bean did push a button on his belt and then Betty Andreessen came out of her body and was standing right. right next to the bean. And then they took her into the craft. They did some operations and she was put back into her body. And then the next day the scars were on her body, which was is what I'm saying, which is completely weird because they took her yeah. in, a, in an astral possible? form yeah. and then they, they had done something to her and then those marks showed up the next day on her physical body. So, it, No, it, she didn't have like no burn marks or anything like that either? No, the, the, the whole point is that they took her astral body or her spirit on board, did the operation on the, on the astral part of her and then the marks just appeared on her body like they had done into the physical body. That's bizarre. That's freaky. Wow. Uh, caller, unfortunately, we're, enough, we're... It's it's probably the same way the stigma, stigmata works, you know, where right. people bleed from... You know, I mean, it's the same thing, uh, really. Someone from a different position, like, for instance, let's just say this. Um, 
Someone hate to cut you off, but we're, we're almost out of time, by the way. Caller, uh, real quick, I, I do have to let you go because we're, we're almost out of time. We have like three minutes. All right, well, thank you, guys. You guys have a wonderful night. Thank you. Thank you, Caller, for calling. And uh, please call in in the future. We'd love to take your call. Uh, Jeff, like I said, we're running really low on time, and uh, you know, I wanted to give you uh, a couple, of, or at least a minute here, to uh, plug your website and stuff uh, before we get off the air. And really, we need to have you back on real soon because uh, this is uh, f- fascinating, and the two hours have just flown by. So, uh, we gotta I, have know, you back I know, on. I know, I really know. <laughs> uh, what I would basically, it's, it's ufosoverphoenix.com, uh, ufosoverphoenix.com, and the other website is ufofootage.net. And I have a new DVD called Paranormal X, Finding okay. E.T. It can be found at the UFOsOrPhoenix.com, and then you click on the DVD uh, button, and it'll take you to a separate DVD page where you can see all my DVDs, not just the new ones, but the other ones as well. And uh, how much time do we have left, guys? we got about a minute left, and uh, that's about it. So uh, let's just uh, say goodnight for the evening. Uh, Jeff, again, thank you so much for being here. And uh, we got to book you back on uh, on Skywatchers really, really soon. Cause Absolutely. Just... i got tons more stuff to share with you guys that we barely even got to, but, you yeah. know, another day. So. <laughs> yeah, we barely scratched the surface. Really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, definitely I looking forward to it. It's been more than interesting, to say the least. It really has. Uh, Jeff, thank you so much again uh, for uh, spending the uh, hour and a half here with us. It's been a pleasure. And I'll be in contact shortly so we can book you back on here uh, very, very soon. Uh, guys, we're all out of time. I know Keith is waiting to push the button, so i got to let you go for the evening. And, uh, again, next week we'll be back live here on Skywatchers Radio with another fascinating guest. I don't know if the show's going to be as great as this one. You never really know, but next week's guest is a good one, so stick around. His name is Rich. His last name is Giordano. I'm sure a lot of you out there know who he is. Controversial? Ooh, yes. Yeah. But he, he also has some really good footage, and we're going to get him on the air, and we're going to talk to him about his footage. So, guys, please stick around for that next week. Stick around on Dark Matter Radio Network and on PSN Radio. There's more stuff for you on both networks. Guys, Skywatchers out. See you next week. Take care, everybody. Nighty night.